What's up, everyone? Welcome to Thursday night's Ask the OBR show on the OBR Twitch channel. I'm Andrew Spade. Joining me uh, from a very quiet room with a very sleepy baby is Jake Burns. <laughs> What's up, man? Yeah, just uh, working some overtime. We'll see how far we can go tonight, but try our best. Yeah, so I almost feel like I have to talk quietly. Uh, <laughs> no, you you can scream. He would never hear you. <laughs> so I got to adjust. I, I, I'm going to be the loud one. Jake's going to be the quiet one. As Jake mentioned, if the baby wakes up, uh, that might be the last question we answer is what he wants for dinner. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to try our best. We're going to see what happens. Uh, this is We're breaking new ground in uh, live video streaming, but we're so happy that you're with us tonight. Uh, we have a, another great show where we've got a bunch of questions that people want to know about the Cleveland Browns and what's going on out there in the world. And um, uh, I, I did want to say we had a great day on the OBR today. Um, we had so much good content that went up. Uh, we had a, a, a good article from Corey Kinnon about uh, what positions are most likely to be addressed via waivers uh, during the preseason, which I think is a, you know, we get a lot of questions in this show about free agency. Uh, so th- this is that's a great article to kind of answer some of those questions. That is up for free right now. Uh, we had um, a report earlier today about the quarterbacks they were working out, and then it turns out that they signed Josh Rosen. Uh, so we've got an article up on that. They signed Perry and Winfrey. Brad Stainbrook broke that news this morning, which was great. Uh, so always a lot of great stuff at the OBR, more great stuff coming over the course of the weekend. Um, but let's start, J- uh, Jake, with the, the Josh Rosen news. Um, we already had a question about it and asked the insiders. Uh, what do you make of it? And, and then my uh, additional question is, do you think he will ever take a snap for the Browns? First of all, thanks, guys, in the comments. Appreciate that very much. A lot of you have reached out. I'm sorry if I haven't individually thanked some folks, but yeah, we we appreciate the uh, congratulations. Um, I'm not I'm not surprised about the Rosen news. Uh, to me, it is uh, they were going to sign some somebody. I think that the hint was always out there that they would like to be a little more secure with their set with their third quarterback because of the inexact duration of the second quarterback, uh, first quarterback suspension. I'm sorry, so they want to be a little more secure with a player. I like Josh Dobbs, but he's very gadgety. So um, they needed another training camp arm. We'll see what that amounts to. So Rosen's been around the NFL for a while. He's played in wide zone systems. He spent some time in Atlanta last year. We all know that Arthur Smith is their head coach play caller. He's a wide zone system guy. So it makes sense. I, I, the expectations are that this guy won't matter. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. people like the name value of the 2018 nostalgia from that draft argument season. But, you know, it's – uh. It's nothing that is going to matter for this year. If he does find the football field for this year, we are going to be having some really rough times. Mm-hmm. And it's just, he just is, uh, he's very limited, very, he right. does not have much mobility in terms of even pocket mobility. So, you know, it's not, uh, it's not necessarily ideal to have to play him, but you know, he's a guy you bring in, give him a shot, see if he can play well, see if some things have turned around for him. Some light bulbs have come on and again, another professional camp arm and you can never have enough of those guys. Yeah. I will confess to having a very strong negative reaction when I heard that the two quarterbacks that they were bringing in were AJ McCarron and Josh Rosen. I, I just sort of instinctively, you know, it's, it's like, uh, it's like when you, you know, you've got leftovers in the fridge and they're just a little bit off. It was that sort of a reaction. And so, uh, I'm not excited about this, but like you said, it shouldn't matter. Right. Um, I think the best we can hope for is that maybe he throws a touchdown pass in the preseason and we can all post that, picture of him in the hot tub in the dorm room from college that seems like a good josh rosen outcome to root for 
Um, okay, uh, let's move on to Deshaun Watson. Uh, he is the quarterback of the Browns and is facing a possible suspension, in case you haven't heard. Um, uh, one of the questions that we had from uh, Akaldra439 in Ask the Insiders was, uh, once the suspension comes across, uh, how difficult will it be for the team to juggle his snaps in training camp? And how much would you like to see him in the preseason? Uh yeah, as opposed to I, I th- Jacoby Brissett. Go ahead. I think they'll, I think they'll play him a, a, a good amount of a good amount of preseason games. Got to remember, this guy missed an entire year of football, so he missed an entire year of football. If he's set to miss eight or so games, that makes it even more challenging. So I think that they will definitely be looking to um, get him a ton of preseason work, and Jacoby Brissett will play a good amount too. They'll they'll balance that out, especially for Jacoby to be ready. But you got to remember, it's an, it's a it's a large amount of time off for Watson, so he needs live game reps. Like it's going to be very important for him to get live game reps. So I expect Watson, if he's suspended, will play a significant amount of snaps. If he's not suspended, he'll get some still because they have to gear him up and get him ready after a lot of time and I mean a lot of time away. I mean it's not I, I, it's something that people need to be cognizant of when they start talking about how well he's going to play initially. He's been out of the loop for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not and it, you know you can do everything you want to mental reps and watching tape and practice rep. There's nothing like live game reps. Mm-hmm. What's flying at you, man. So he's going to have to get eased back into this. Preseason will be important. Now if the suspension is long, you're going to have to get preset ready and that's going to be the most important thing uh, right off the rip but I, I expect watson to be a heavy participant more so than we've seen from baker mayfield in recent years mm-hmm. in the preseason yeah I, I agree with that i think if the suspension is long then potentially you could see a situation where watson and Brissett are the only quarterbacks we see in the preseason because they they have to maybe take the chance that josh dubs doesn't get on the field or josh rosen doesn't get on the field because they don't have enough snaps to go around otherwise so I think it'll definitely be something to watch even in, as camp starts, uh, how they're divvying up those snaps. And, of course, obviously it, it depends greatly on when the suspension is announced, which uh, is still an unknown at this time. Uh, on the suspension, Manimal and Ask the Insiders wanted to know, um, it's, it's kind of a complicated question, but let me see if I can distill it here. Uh, when the media refers to the NFL versus Watson, who are they really referring to as the NFL? Isn't it basically just Roger Goodell? And if both are basically the same and the NFL wants a year, then they're going to get it because of the appeal power. And and Manuel's point is basically that it looks like it's kind of a farce at the end of the day. Well, the NFL is going to do what they think they should do based on personnel conduct policy, right? That's mm-hmm. how I understand it. They're going to do what they think they're supposed to do to uphold that personal uh, standard there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Roger Goodell has, has word on this, but from everything you gather from smart people who have studied the language of the contract and understand the importance of a new CBA – they really have a hard time seeing the NFL adjust the suspension after it was hard bargain to have a process mm-hmm. in place with Sue Robinson to make sure that there was a fair balanced approach to these situations. So I think the Goodell thing is a fallback in case like a decision gets made. And in the week between a decision getting made in the NFL, taking something crazy happens, right? right? There's just a fallback net there, but I think they really want to between the NFL PA and the NFL have this standard in place and live by it. And especially they, the first example to me, it just is hard for me to see them going away from whatever Sue decides. So it's a good question. I get where he's coming from. Roger Goodell is going to have a voice in the NFL's case. He did, and he is going to be a participant in those things, but the NFL is trying to uphold the personal conduct policy and that's what they feel inclined to do. That's why they're doing it. 
mm-hmm. Goodell is approving their attacking of the situation. But ultimately, like I said, the movement and my, this is just my opinion. I am not an expert, guys. The <laughs> movement of the suspension to me screams that they just have a, a terrible. The, the, why did they do that? Why did they put this in place? They they wouldn't right. do it. They 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 right. are going to uphold the decision. So, um, you know, the, the, another thing is like it's not going to go down. It's not like Goodell's going to look at the suspension right. recommendation and go down. The only thing it can right. do is get is get worse. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's kind of just where I'm at with it in general. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't think it's going to get moved. If it got moved, it'd just be a really bad look for what was collectively bargained. Yes, agreed. Yeah, I, I think that there's a there's a strong incentive on the part of the NFL to abide by this ruling um, to give the process more legitimacy and if they immediately overturn uh through appeal the first decision that the arbitrator makes especially in such a high profile case i think they really uh, you know they risk uh lessening the trust between the nflpa and the nfl which is never really that strong in the first place the other thing i just wanted to say here is uh, i think it's it's always important when thinking about the nfl uh and then the commissioner is that you know the commissioner is really the punching bag uh, you know, the owners are the league. They their vote and their the backroom politics of the ownership of the 32 teams that decides where the league goes. The commissioner's job is to take all of the public heat, and that's why he gets paid 30 million dollars a year, or whatever he gets paid. It's because they need somebody to stand in front of the cameras and say, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> we we did the best we could, or you know, we 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 tried, we wanted a year and. Uh, the arbitrator said, you know, six games. And so we're going to abide by her decision. Um, that's his job. Uh, and and that time and time again, when there's controversy in the NFL, he's the guy that has to take the lumps and he's really good at it because he's, he's kind of, he's got that face where it's like, oh, I kind of want to punch him a little bit. So, he, you know, he, that's his job as commissioner. And so he is the sort of the, the whipping boy and the NFL needs him as a buffer because they don't want Jerry Jones coming out to a press conference trying to talk about Sean Watson's suspension or whoever, you know, Jimmy Haslam for that matter. Right. Um, so, so that he's, he's a mouthpiece and um, they like it that way. And I think it's important to remember that in these sorts of high profile cases that, you know, they're, <laughs> they're not looking for him to fix things for them necessarily. They want him to take the lumps more than anything. Yes, totally agree. And nothing to add to that when you nail it like you did there. I, I don't think there's any there's any argument to that point at all. Okay, so that's a little bit about the NFL uh, and and Watson. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I should also mention that I was listening to the most recent uh, episode of the Conduct Detrimental podcast, which is a great podcast for this stuff. And I keep listening to it, even though I'm up to my gills with it. But uh they said that, and I did. This is new information to me. The NFL or the NFLPA have three days after the decision is issued by the arbitrator to appeal. So, the the good news there is that we should know pretty soon if there is going to be an appeal, if the suspension is going to get worse, which will help in terms of giving the Browns some certainty. So, uh, people generally seem to expect that it's going to be next week for the suspension. Um, and uh, we should I, be we on just, our toes tomorrow, though. I, I really yep. do think we should be. I agree. Um, I think Part if there's going to be a settlement tomorrow would be the day, yeah. right? That would be like the last, totally, the last stop. Totally agree. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, keep, keep an eye on your phones tomorrow. And I think it's safe, safe to say that if there is uh, news on that tomorrow, we will be live covering that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. One more question on Watson. 
if Watson is suspended, shouldn't the Texans be punished for aiding him with the non-disclosure agreement and providing a hotel room? I think this is pretty clear cut, right? <laughs> I mean, it seems as though the Texans will be held accountable eventually. They're yeah. trying to play the we didn't do anything. We're trying to help these women card. And like, you know, it's hard to blame the Texans in general because they didn't originate the idea for these things, but they didn't combat it. So to me, it's like, I don't think they helped, right? Like, I don't think they helped. So I think they'll have their day of punishment for their mm-hmm. role in this yeah. if the punishment happens to Watson. So again, it's right. such a domino effect. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to talk about all of these things. And it's like, we just need, there's a million angles of talking points here that are coming. As soon as the suspension happens, there's so many things to be written and talked about. And we'll get yep. there. I, yep. It's just, we're all playing this annoying waiting game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, if the Texans... If Watson is held accountable for breaking the personal conduct policy, that's again, that's a reminder. That's what Sue Robinson is deciding. Right. She, if she decides he did not break the personal conduct policy, there is no appeal. There is right. nothing the NFL can do. And this is just a reminder to everybody. Yeah. This is, there's nothing they can do. It's over. Mm-hmm. If, if she decides he did, and here's my suspension recommendation, that's where Roger Goodell can step in and change it if he wants to. Yep. So that's that's a key thing to remind. So if he did break the personal conduct policy uh, for whatever length of suspension she deems fit, yeah, then the Texans down the road will probably have their time with the NFL in terms of what did you do and not do. And, you know, they were quickly out in front of this thing as they should have been as an organization, whether they were in the right or in the wrong, where they say, well, we didn't do anything, but we want to, in the light of this, take care of the the people who were affected. Okay, that's fine, but... Yep. There will be things unearthed here uh, that, that investigative things will happen. So it, it could down the line cost the Texans cap dollars or, uh, or you know, a, a potential draft pick. We'll see what comes of it. Yep. Yeah, I think that sums it up. Uh, and I mean, I throw my two cents in. They absolutely should be punished uh, uh, because I think there's a, you know, the, the strong indications from the, the lawsuit that was filed against the Texans that uh, they – there was a, a lot of institutional knowledge of what was going on and uh, they were covering it up. But, uh, you know, this also speaks to the, uh, you know, the culture in the NFL, which uh, incentivizes, you know, keeping all of this stuff hidden. I mean, the, everybody that gets into legal trouble, you know, they try and settle, they try and get a non-disclosure agreement signed so that nobody can ever hear about it. Um, and so, you know, Deshaun Watson in a lot of ways is the outlier in that uh, he has been so publicly you know, he's, he's, he got sued, you know, by so many women and so publicly that, that it's, you know, a lot of dirty laundry is out, out in the yard now. And, um, you know, typically that's not how the NFL likes to conduct business, uh, even with its players. So, um, yeah, I think they've got, they've got the risk of a, a pretty serious punishment, but it, as you said, I think it, a lot of it hinges on what happens to Watson and, and then, you know, does, how, how hard does the NFL go after the Texans, which is, I think, a question yet to be answered. We've got uh, mm-hmm. a lot of subscriptions being given away in uh, Twitch, it looks like, in, in the in the chat. I think it was Pat Shea that gave those away. Thank you, Pat. Um, a lot of subscriptions flying around. I appreciate everybody joining us tonight. We're having a great time. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, Jake uh, has a baby in his arms that is sleeping. And uh, so we're, 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 this is the quiet show tonight. We're, you know, even though I don't need to be quiet, it's, it's rubbing off on me. Uh, okay, so we're going to move away from Watson now, uh, much to the uh, delight of everyone, I'm sure. Um, uh, <laughs> that's awesome, Pat. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, okay, so we've got a question in Ask the Insiders from, it's, it's the same guy, and I 
I stumble it over. So I'm making an executive decision from now on. I'm calling him Woobly, even though I'm ignoring the one in his name. So I, this is Woobly, and he is asking, uh, what training camp battle or battles are you looking forward to seeing play out? Anything under the radar that would be interesting? Yeah, I think the third tight end situation, if somebody can step up, one of the UDFAs or Miller, For Miller Forrestal can be the third tight end. What they do with Johnny Stanton, kind of fascinating to me, what, what, what they envision for him, whether that's a real role or not. Um, another thing is, yeah, I got all, I got a lot of them, man. Tracking where Dearness Fel or Demetric Felton goes, mm -hmm. wh where he's playing, I think is going to be fascinating. Who's getting the right tackle snaps? interesting to me these are all things i'm just mentally paying attention to and i haven't Absolutely. really made a checklist here as i've had a lot going on but like on the <laughs> defensive side who who's getting the bulk of your second rotation dn snaps mm -hmm. In, inside where's perry on winfrey playing where's he aligning who's getting yep. the rotation snaps there that have a chance to make the roster and the secondary how involved is ronnie harrison right mm -hmm. is he going to be the dime backer again is he going to get more opportunity um is uh is and there's another one to me is Greg Newsom in the slot. You know, is that going to be a full time thing? Like, is he really going to play there for a long time for them? Right? Like, is he going to switch to being an inside corner, which is a big adjustment? And there's I've I've been vocal on my podcast about a lot of the changes uh, that impact his future salaries yep. at that position and many other things. We'll see. There could be an evolving uptick in in, in in nickel payments but they're not paid as well as outside guys so i'm just curious how committed he is to that mm. and then obviously i'm going to watch jacob phillips like crazy to see if he is going to get a real chance to be the mic starting mic over anthony walker so that's just another minor thing to pay attention to in my opinion so and there's fringe at the end like who's the end of the linebacker rooms tony fields getting real chances to play is you know are they are they going to give some of these other, uh, you know, Willie Harvey types, a chance to make the roster too. So there's, there's a lot of that stuff because they're kind of cutting out really core special teams guys, Andrew, like mm -hmm. tight ends, fullbacks, linebackers, key right. special teams players. And they've, yep. they've thinned themselves out there. You know, they're not going to carry four tight ends. They're clearly going to carry a third, but it's like who they're maybe leaning toward not carrying a fullback. And then, you know, the linebackers situation, yep. they let some guys go, Malcolm Smith, and, and they, they traded away Mac Wilson. So, like, just curious on that, how that yep. shakes out as far as how that impacts specials. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One that happened in the sort of the middle of the summer that I think maybe went a little bit under the radar is Dakota Allen was signed as a linebacker. And I think he's played some specials in his career. Um, so that's one that I, I, I the, the first, when I saw this question, my first thought was the linebacker room because um, there, it, it's a question on both sides, right? The question for the starters is who gets the bulk of the, the starting snaps uh, at, 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 like you said, at Mike. And then at the backside, who's playing special teams? You know, who seems like they've got those spots locked down? Because uh, I think there's a lot of questions in that room, as you as you rightly said, and and I th- we've mentioned before, they've lost a lot of special teams talent. Uh, you know, MJ Stewart's out the door, Elijah Lee is out the door, so a lot of the guys that have played special team snap for them in the past are not here anymore. So, yeah, special teams has been a problem, and so you know, <laughs> making sure that there are guys that can can do it uh, is is vitally important because uh, it costs a team. You know, I don't know if it cost them a win necessarily, but it cost them. They left points on the field on special teams yeah. last year. Just kick better. If they kick better, sure. Punt, if they punt better, yeah, and kick field goals in a better fashion, we won't care all too much. Yeah, there'll be some plus minus given away on on some things here and there. Maybe if the kickoff team isn't very good, whatever, whatever. But like, hey man, make your kicks. Yep. If the kicks go well, your special teams is typically said, oh, they're pretty good, you know. So catch all your punts, you know, kneel the kicks that don't need to be returned and, and handle your duties as the, the kicker and punter well. And it's like, oh, they got a great special teams. That's all you need. Just don't let one of those groups be poor, you know, yep. if they if they can avoid bad in any of those. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's the aim for me. And then we talked about this, too. I talked about it with T.A. Cleve T.A. yesterday on my pod. The, the kicking stuff like opposing yep. teams were 96 percent mm-hmm. against against them last year the kicking game is going to tilt that's just purely luck driven and yep. like that's that's just going to go back in the browns favor that they're going to be able to pull some luck out of things um uh, in some different situations teams are not going to make 96 percent of kicks against them so that won't yep. be a repeat situation so that'll break a little differently too so um just, just be sound in those games, but if they kick better, we'll all be like, yeah, man, significantly better special teams, right? So they yeah. should. Cade York's strong. He should be He should be good. I'm going to be very patient with him. I can't speak for everybody, but he's patient because he's talented. Mm-hmm. Like, give him a chance to work it out. And, you know, the worst thing that happened to Cade York's probably Evan McPherson, unfortunately. So, and a reminder, McPherson was rough to start the year. He was not yep. very good in that Packers game where he, he was, you know, toe for toe missing kicks with Mason Crosby. <laughs> like it's a, it's a process, man. Yeah. It's a process. So hopefully people are patient with him because the talent is there and it's just about getting everything right around the talent. So um, that should be good. We'll see how Bjorquez is his punter, yep. but can't be worse than what they dealt with last year, which was just abysmal stuff. I mean, yep. like I understand Kevin Stefanski saying we're going for it on fourth down all the time. Cause you just like <laughs> not gaining much EPA from punting. So, and not that you do much anyway from punting, yeah. but when it's that bad, it's like, yeah. good Lord. So, yeah. Yeah. You said, you know, just make sure that the kicking game and the punting game aren't bad last year, both were. So uh, it, it would be to be average in both of those areas would be fine by me. Uh, to that point, MC Sawman asked in chat, do we have a field goal kicker finally? I think so. And I think to what Jake said, uh, give him, let's, let's find out, you know, more than anything, like 
you know, we, we, uh, Zane Gonzalez got hurt and started kicking like crap and we ran him out of town on a rail and let's not, if we can avoid that, let's avoid that. Let's let the kid figure it out. He's got a big leg. Uh, you know, everybody's going to be watching him in training camp. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun watching him nail him from 60 in Berea. Let's see if he can do it in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, yeah, to, to Jake's point, he's, I, to, in my mind, he should have at least the season. When you invest a fourth round pick in a kicker, he gets at least the full season. So we'll find out. Um, uh, Pat Shea in, in chat also asking, can we expect more takeaways this year? Which I think actually ties into what Jake was mentioning. Um, uh, that podcast that he did with TA yesterday, you, you guys also touched on fumble luck, which was another thing that uh, yeah. did not break in the Browns' favor. Fumble recoveries. Yeah. Uh, Something people and, don't want to talk about, man, is like right. how many fumbles that are truly oblong object bouncing in weird directions <laughs> that's right go in your favor right yep. you know you not only have to create them you have to scoop them up so mm-hmm. yeah they, listen they have too much secondary talent they're, they're in the they're in multiple years in this system now i think they're going to create plenty of interceptions they should still get plenty of pressure and um i do think some fumble luck will switch so i do think if we look back on this next year his little man's going with some spasms there um mm-hmm that they'll have better numbers in terms of the takeaway and they should have better numbers in terms of giveaways too, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. they should be better in the plus minus. Yep. Okay. So, uh, back to the, the questions from ask the insiders. We've got one, another one from a Caldra four, three, nine here is watching, uh, old highlights from Richard Higgins, which that's, that's how you know it's football season is, uh, when it's mid July and, uh, you're Let's watching go out old... and touch grass. That's what <laughs> we need to do. Get out and touch some grass. If we're watching Richard Higgins highlights, yeah, I love exactly. Higgins, but my goodness. Yeah, no, but it, that's, that's, it's this, it's this time of year. People get the itch and it's just, you know, I always know, watch. Andrew, I said it yesterday on my show in the intro. I always know it's, it's football season when Madden ratings complaining oh, starts. Yeah. It's the worst time of year. Yep. And yeah. No, I, heard, I heard you talking about that, and I'm I'm happy for it so to be bad. a show policy here as well that we don't talk about bad ratings. Yeah, man. Why and people waste their breath on on yep. video game ratings that you can edit if you don't agree with them, you can edit them. So yep. you know, either way. Yep. So, uh, uh, the question on Higgins though was, um, why did it seem like he never kind of took that next step? Uh, was it that he was in the doghouse or? You know, what What was, because it seemed like he was Baker's favorite target for a while, but he never really got on the field. Um, I have a few thoughts on this, but Jake, I'm interested to hear your opinion. What was, what kept Higgins from kind of taking that leap to being a, a starting receiver? I, this is total hunch. I think they, they knew the ceiling for Richard and they wanted better. They wanted yep. to try to get to, to put more explosiveness on the field for good or bad there. I also don't think based on his up and down nature across multiple regimes that he was a very good practice player. I don't mm. think that he practiced well again, just a hunch, but you don't go up and down in that form unless you don't show out and practice. I'm not saying he's lazy, not right. saying any of that. I'm just saying, I'm not sure he performed to the level of practice performance that coaches were looking for to be like, yeah. I can't keep this guy off the field. So mm-hmm. I think it's a mixture of coaches always wanting a little bit more than what Richard was providing because he's a catch guy. He's not going to run away from people. Right. He's a catch it and, you know, uh, make the play there and it moves on, but you know, he's fine. He's like a baseline below average NFL receiver. That's he's, there's a role for that guy in the league. He's yep. clearly on another team. Right. We'll see if he makes the roster in Carolina, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I think everybody wanted Richard to be more than what he was partly because he was just cool. Like he was yeah. just, he liked Cleveland and he <laughs> yeah. just had the cool touchdown celebration and mm-hmm. you know, people in the city are, 
hungry for great receiver play. We've been yeah. hungry for it forever. You got teased yeah. with Josh Gordon, and it's just like, man, it's 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 a thing. If any receiver ever really, really, really puts it together in Cleveland for a prolonged period of time, they're going to be on a pedestal, man, because people yep. in Cleveland are just they crave it. So, um, yeah, I, I to, to Richard's point, I, I, fine player, but. You know, ultimately very, very replaceable. And I think a lot of coaching staffs are just hunting for better on their roster. Yeah. And they and that sometimes was a detriment where they 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 took him away from snaps he shouldn't have been because there wasn't better. But I get the point, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's all totally valid. And I think I think I think everybody kind of had that sense that there were some because he did as as the question said, he found himself in the doghouse with every coaching staff that he that he was with. Um Two comments in chat. Uh, neighborhood Spaceman says uh, Higgins is at his best a Landry light. You don't need two Landrys on the field. I think that's very true. Uh, Pat Shea says seemed like they purged players with uh, buy-in issues, and I think that's fair as well. The other thing I would say is he's a fifth-round pick. Uh, he's with the team for four years uh, You know, at a very reasonable cost. He produced a lot uh, for, for his, his, his slot. Sometimes, you know, you buy, you draft a player, he plays for the rookie contract and he goes someplace else and he could be a fine player in Carolina. But I think, uh, as Browns fans, at least I'll speak for myself, you get in the habit of thinking, well, if he's not so bad that we have to cut him, he must be good. And I think there is a space in the NFL for guys that are fine, but as soon as they start to get expensive, what, you know, what, what, what does he do that somebody else that's younger and cheaper can't do? And, and the the answer Mm -hmm. is not much. Bingo, it's kind of the fallacy I've been talking about this year with draft picks where right, people are exactly. pegging like Martin Emerson, David Bell, and Perrion Winfrey to be these gigantic impact players. And it's like, mm. hey man, just because they're the first, second, and third players picked for your team doesn't mean they were picked in the first or second round. There are exactly. third rounders beyond for a reason. So yep. just calm down on the expectations a little bit on that stuff. And, yep. you know, the same for well, Higgins. Like, the guy just, yeah. you don't, you know, he's fine. He's fine, yeah. and he should be paid around league average. Fine, like baseline veteran minimum to a little right. bit more. And he was he was taken care of. He's got pension. He's been in the league for a while. His life yeah. will be significantly easier because of his time in the NFL. So it's yep. not like he's had a failed story. He's actually exactly. done pretty well for a guy out of Colorado State in the sixth yep. round. So was it the right sixth? on, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, and I and I think I I misstated the number of years. I think it's he's been what, a five year player, but I think the that's exactly my point is that uh, that there's a middle class that for years the Browns haven't had access to because regimes would change so often that guys would get washed out, and so you know we're just not used to seeing players like Higgins in Cleveland where we can be okay with him being here, but we can also be okay with him being elsewhere. Uh, a. Pierce said uh, the reason Higgins hurts more is because he was just a fan favorite. Yeah, and I no think doubt. that's Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So, yeah, yeah um, uh, a, a good player. Then, I, you know, I, it's, I'm happy that he and Baker in Carolina. It would be fun, not maybe week one, but week two. It would be fun to see them get a little, little mojo going down there. Um, it won't, yeah, won't, I don't care. won't, won't hurt yeah. us any, right? I no, don't you, don't, you don't give a shit. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Jake doesn't give but, a shit. That's fine. You All know, right. people, other people might care, and kudos <laughs> to them. But I'm good. I care a little bit. I didn't, I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm going to be watching Panthers games. Yeah. I just want to see all I the best guys. The Baker stay down there. Stay down yeah. there in the NFC. Yeah. yeah. Stay down there. Very no, fun. I know. You're right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> more, more Higgins than Baker. I don't have a lot of. Anyway, let's move on. Um, here's a question about Alex Van Pelt, which I thought was interesting. Um, the question is basically, 
uh, after the season, you know, for the first two years he was here, Van Pelt was the OCN quarterbacks coach, sort of de facto or whatever. We didn't have a, a quarterbacks coach. The Browns didn't have a quarterbacks coach. Drew Petzing was moved to the quarterback coaching position this offseason. Do you think that that is because of the struggles of, of Baker Mayfield last year and, uh, so, you know, some of his mechanical breakdowns that they weren't able to get fixed? Maybe. Maybe they just wanted to clean that 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 process up from – from you know baseline quarterback indie drills all the way up to communication with Van Pelt all the way up to communication with Kevin Stefanski maybe Stefanski doesn't want Van Pelt dealing with quarterback daily stuff and he doesn't want him dealing with you know taking the time out of his day to manipulate a practice script that involves quarterbacks individual periods and you know hey we're getting with the running backs today you're going to work on this this and this we're getting with the tight ends wide outs you're doing this this and this like that stuff can be handled by a quarterback coach. Just little things to take off Van Pelt's plate that maybe Kevin wants to give him more responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that part of it is the thing. And and two, like, you know, Van Pelt is is doing broader stroke things here. Like yeah. as an OC, even though he's not calling plays, he's doing broader things. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have a guy be your your quarterback coach who's just literally studying granular parts of quarterback play. Right. Like that part of it is never a problem, you know? So I get why maybe they, they didn't want that because maybe AVP preferred, like I want to be the voice with the quarterback and I don't want anything else to filter through that. I get it. But also I do see the point on this side of things where it says, Hey, let's, let's get a guy who's committed to this committed to the focus of improved quarterback play mechanically, mentally, all of that. Who's yeah. just singularly honed in on that part of the game. And I think right. that can, can pay some benefit too. So I, I see why they would, uh, they make that adjustment. Yeah. It's also uh, sort of, if you're a young coach, which Petsing is, it's sort of, that's sort of the, the progression, right? Is that he, he was with tight ends. Now he's with quarterbacks. And so he could potentially, if Van Pelt got a different job or wanted to leave after the season, Petsing could become the offensive coordinator, which I think there was a little bit of rumblings that Van Pelt might've been looking at the exit this off season. So maybe that's part of it too. They're trying to, you know, kind of get themselves uh, some some uh, backup in the case of uh, either a promotion or, a, you know, that he wants to go someplace else. And so we'll see how that develops this year. Um, uh, Pat Shea, who is in the chat here, also uh, gave us a question and asked the insiders. I'm assuming it's the same Pat Shea, unless there's two Pat Shays. Uh, he was asking about Malik McDowell. Um, he's asking if he's worked through his incident in Florida, which I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that. I don't know if you have, Jake, but... Uh, then he's asking, does he get a third opportunity in the NFL? And then a bonus question, uh, Olivier Vernon, only 31. Uh, how is his rehab going? And is he on the Browns back burner radar? So no clue about McDowell. Not a word so, from yeah. a single person in the Browns organization. Uh, not a word from anybody connected to McDowell representation or anything. No clue. Yep. And yep. maybe maybe that's a Twitter question for Stainbroker and ask the insider question for, see if he's heard anything. I don't have any idea. Yeah. Brad connects yeah. more with people on the agent side. So I don't know. Um, Olivier Vernon and tack McKinley, although tax out a significant amount of time would be fascinating mm-hmm. late camp or mid season additions of injury strike. I think there's yeah. a route there. Um, yeah, I, I I think there's a route there uh, in terms of maybe those guys. Mm-hmm. I, I know they've been keeping contact with those guys, so we'll see what shakes out. I don't I don't think there's anything all too crazy. Shit, they, they may add somebody. I'm not. If they add somebody, and again, I know mm-hmm. Brad has mentioned some people, Sheldon yeah. Richardson, one of them. 
it's not going to change the outcome of the season. They're just going to be bodies. So it's not that worth investing that much thought into. If the Browns defensive tackle room starts to rely on a Sheldon Richardson or uh, somehow Malik McDowell coming back, like it's, it's, it's as bad or worse than we thought it was going to be. So, um, yeah, you said, you said a few times this off season that, you know, McDowell was barely a player by the end of the season. He wasn't contributing at all. So he faded really hard. Both of them, him and Malik Jackson were, problems by the end of the year you know they they faded out so and that speaks to depth issues obviously Mm -hmm. but yeah man it was it was hard to watch uh, by the end of the year and their their cumulative grading from pff and just my film analysis was yeah just they just couldn't hold up they just couldn't Mm -hmm. hold up yeah so i think you know a little bit more youth movement at the position i mean none of these guys are are like world beaters but if they're younger maybe they've got a little bit more juice and uh, can go a little bit further in the season, we'll see it. I, I mean, I think to go back to the question earlier, you know, how they, and you mentioned it at the time, how they handle the defensive tackle reps uh, throughout training camp is going to be really interesting to watch to see who's in what spots and how much time everybody's getting. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and, and probably discuss it on this show quite a bit, I would guess. Uh, okay, here's a here's a question from uh, Bum Buddha on NATI, uh, which is one of the, you know, we got a lot of good names in ATI, I'll say that. Uh, he, he he clarifies by saying he doesn't want he's not advocating for Stefanski to be fired, but if he were, would the Browns consider giving uh, Joe Woods the head coaching job? Uh, and so I I mean I think that that question is a little bit out in left field, but I will say um, I I'm, I more wanted to use this question as an excuse to kind of talk about Joe Woods. He's been here two years. What do you think of the job that he's done, and and what do you think you know sort of the expectation should be for his defense this year? They they should be pretty good. Um, they they have the talent, and I think the familiarity with the system is there. They they need to create more turnovers. They need to eliminate mental meltdowns mm-hmm. um, that have happened that have cost them in certain games. Uh, I think there's an a, a aggressiveness piece that should uptick and the Browns being one of the one of the worst teams one of the league's best teams and and if you listen to yesterday's pod you should you should go back and listen to what I said talked about TA they were really good on first and second down among the best in the NFL and they were atrocious on third and fourth down and they did not as TA illuminated they did not stop a single fourth down rush attempt last year so to me, they get schemed up some on third and fourth downs. They get a bit predictable. Teams have figured out what they like to do, what their coverage rules are, how they're going to align their front, and they get schemed up by offensive coordinators, and that's why those those third and fourth downs were so bad last year. Now, I think it will move some, but through his two years, that's been pretty consistent, the poor performances on third and fourth downs. and It's, it's so crippling to your mm-hmm. defense and your, your team collectively and your fan base when you give up those long third downs. So... They have to get better there. If he is not like, he, I think there are some eyes watching him. Like some focus correction areas for him mm-hmm. are creating more pressure and more turnovers through scheme. And then they have to, they have to get better push toward the league average on third and fourth down. They just have to, they've done some things really well, but they have not handled third and fourth down well. And that usually is what makes or breaks your defense is getting off the field, get stops. What do they preach all the time? Get a stop. That's what they're all about, right? Defense is everywhere, all the way down to, to peewee level, man. Get off the field. Get your defense off the field. And 
He has to get better at that. I think he has to mix up some of his looks, some of his coverage stuff, which is heavily zone-based. He has to trust that he has the athletes and horses that can play more man. Mm -hmm. They can do that stuff. So I hope to see an uptick in some different things this year. And I know myself and John Stephenson, who studies defense as well as anybody I've ever met, um, will be watching that really closely. I think that's a great answer. Thanks, Jake. Uh, and to the point of Kevin, like, Ke- yeah, we're going to put up a roundtable on this ironically tomorrow, but he's not on the hot seat. I don't see a world in which he is on the hot seat. And if he were to be fired, sure, Joe Woods could be the interim until they hire another coach after that. Right. That, that Joe, I just don't see Joe Woods as a head coach right now. I just don't see that for him. So, um, yeah, that's my two cents. I continue to think Kevin Stefanski is a very, very good football coach, and the Browns are lucky to have him. Mm-hmm. And I need to see a five year. I need to see five years. I just need to see five years from the guy before I, I make any kind of movement on it. That's a great policy. That's what we're going to stick with. I, I know you got to get out of here, Jake. So I just want to. We only had two more user questions, and I want to. I want to get to them because we we rely on them to make the show work. So, uh, Jay Diraj one on Twitter asked: Are there any free agent wide receivers you see the Browns signing before the season? Are they comfortable enough with this group? I can take this one. I think they are comfortable with this group. I think they want to see the young guys play: Donovan Peoples Jones and Anthony Schwartz. And, and David Bell, for that matter. And, and so they've got enough youth there that I think they want to invest in that. If they don't show up through training camp in the preseason, I could see, you know, whether it's a waiver edition or a trade or a, maybe even a free agent of some type uh, by the end of the of training camp. But as Jake said earlier tonight, in terms of the defensive tackles, there's not a free agent wide receiver out there that's going to change who the Browns are offensively at this point. And so I think they're going to run with who they have and we're going to see if those guys can do it, uh, that's going to be their first option. Uh, Legend of Riata on Twitter asked, what are realistic David Bell projections? And we'll get you out of here on this one, Jake. Like to me, a baseline is like 450. Can he get mm-hmm. to 35, 450 with like four touchdowns? Yeah. That'd be nice for a first year, late third round wide receiver selection. I think we all think he has a real opportunity to be even better. So, but that's the plus or minus to me. If he's below that 450 and he's in the threes or twos, I'll be a little bummed. Mm-hmm. But if he can get above that, I think that that's a really good first year outcome for him. And I think he's got the potential to be even better than that, even to push the six, 700 yard range. So, mm-hmm. and again, you know this, Andrew, and everybody does. It's all about who's going to be his quarterback for a majority of the yep. year. And that's how we have to base our our predictions for some of these guys off of that. So again, the domino that has to fall that we continue to sit here mm-hmm. and wait for, which is going to dictate so much discussion and so much prediction uh, mm-hmm. that that'll change everything. But yeah, he should have a nice role. He should see the field quite a bit. Can he get to 50 targets? Like that would be a nice outcome for him. So um, don't just don't expect wild stuff. Don't expect yep. these eight, 9,000 yard seasons from him. Just, just let him ease his way into the NFL. And I think they got a good plan here. I think if, if our show can be about one thing, well, it's, it's about two things. It's about never talking about Madden ratings, and it's about mm. having realistic expectations for young players. And I think that's a great note to end on. Uh, thank you, Jake, so much for uh, yeah, bearing course, with sir. us with the babe in your arms. Uh, it's, we're, as I said at the beginning, we're breaking new podcasting or <laughs> Twitch streaming ground every day here. Uh, next time I'm going to hold one of my dogs, I think, the whole time. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. We'll, fl- we'll switch it up every week. Yeah. We'll all be Why doing not? something different. Yeah, so, <laughs> I'll hold a challenge. sandwich one week too. Yeah, a, a watermelon. So we'll yeah. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much, Jake. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We had a great time tonight. Thank you for the questions. We had so many good questions this week, and I really appreciate that. That's building momentum, uh, and I expect very much that we will be back next week to do this show again. And so we will have, uh, you know, get your questions ready even now for next week, 
uh, and we'll see uh, see you back here again next uh, Thursday night. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night. Go Browns. Thank, thanks, guys, for all the well wishes. We appreciate you. And like Andrew said, go Browns. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.